0: Hello friends, my name is Steve and welcome to the Friday Conversation Episode 88. I'm getting close to 100. And we're here today with uh, David T. List and our friend Jared from The Fantasy Thinker. Uh, David, will you kick us off with an introduction and tell us a little bit about you and your work?
1: Sure. My name is David T. List. I wrote, most recently, Violence and Vigilance, which is a gritty epic fantasy. I hesitate to say Grimdark. I don't know how fleeting that term is, how long it'll live, or even if my book is Grimdark. <laughs> I need somebody else to tell me. Um, but it's, I like fantasy, um, writing fantasy, and I like my stories to take place in a in the same world. Even if the stories aren't related, I want them to take place in a world I have named Silixir. And that's the long and short of it so
0: far. Nice, awesome. <laughs> and Jared?
2: I'm Jared. I uh, run the Fantasy Thinker YouTube channel, and... Um, I also uh, hang out on pagechewing.com and do a blog there,
0: which has mm-hmm. been fun. Yeah, very good stuff. So, David, I have to ask because it's one of those questions that no one can agree on. In fact, we talked to to Sarah Charn, uh, author and editor Sarah Charn, and we asked her the same thing. And no one knows. But in your, if somewhere, to, if if you were to have to define grimdark, how would you define it?
1: I would call it uh, fantasy fiction for adults that is probably going to feature gray characters or maybe heroes who make kind of maybe are forced to make or have a lifestyle of making decisions that are that we would look down on or that we would not approve of. Um, Be those violent decisions or just kind of I don't want to say despicable but you know distasteful decisions um and maybe it's the world that's for it. maybe even that's a defining feature the world is their situation or world is forcing them into making awful decisions um i don't think it necessarily requires ultra violence it doesn't necessarily require a lot of characters dying or swearing um it doesn't require some kind of nameless evil in fact uh typical fantasy has can have plenty of ultimate nameless evil um yeah that would be my from the cuff
0: <laughs> <laughs> definition what were you jared but uh, what, what do you uh, think you, when someone says that would
1: you um
2: also say that it includes a little bit of nihilism of some sort
1: sure things things can improve things cannot yeah. not improve type type of yeah like it's things are sh- bad possibly going to get worse probably not <laughs> yeah.
2: get better i mean that's some of the things i've heard um slung around about uh grimdark i uh never really encountered the term until i actually joined youtube <laughs> and um so i was never really 100% sure about exactly what what it means uh i mean it, would that be game of thrones is that grimdark um, right, I just thought it was a pretty good story, <laughs> you know, and uh, so i I've, yeah
1: exploring more yeah, details yep, more talking
2: yeah and um that's but a lot of people mm. have done that too, so it's you know what what do you what do you what do you define True. it as'm I'm, I'm still uh i'm still up in the air on some of that. <laughs>
1: Maybe it's, uh, maybe, it, you know, if li- used as a literary or a, uh, a yeah. marketing device, it could, it, it's kind of like young adult. Because before Harry Potter, apparently, there wasn't a, a standard, you know, genre of young adult. And then it was like, well, what do we do with this? What do we call it? It's fantasy, but it's also for kids, and so on. Um, I know that Lord Grimdark, who hates that name, um, or doesn't doesn't love that he chose it and it stuck so well, that being Joe Abercrombie, uh, he definitely popularized the term
2: that's funny yeah it, it, it's a good point what you say about um, about a marketing term and I think it's more relevant there than it is in yeah. actual um, you know c- categorization I guess <laughs> as far as uh,
1: right right because it's yeah. kind of broad and it's and it's slippery right. it's hard to define yeah
0: so when you when you said you think you you're not sure whether or not to call your book Grimdark or not, like no one knows what it no one knows what it is, so we're we're just kind of all guessing.
1: Do you, on that, Mark Lawrence has a on his blog or, or somewhere on his on a website of his, he has a a rating system for for books and they're essentially their their grim dark rating, and it's just uh, crowdsourced. People will place, you know, they'll compare. Let's just say um, something from Robin Hobb and our Scott Baker baker however you pronounce it and and then well one's more more than the other and then through this method um they've built a huge catalog with like a rating system between 0 and 5 goes into decimals and um that might be something crowdsourced like that if the, if the if the participants pool is large enough that might be a, a good authority on on the subject possibly
0: that might work Maybe. yeah
1: uh yeah, I I
0: I it's I, not a bad uh, idea.
1: I'd be a little
2: wary about the uh the uh uh the masses determining something like that. But. <laughs> true, true.
1: Who who are these masses?
0: <laughs> Is it rigged? Yeah, we know those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh so when did you start writing your books? What what, what ignited the spark in what in this uh in your journey?
1: Um, I've been, I've been drawing maps and making worlds since forever, maybe, maybe even since um, I'd say since, my my mom had a copy of all the Tolkien books, including the Silmarillion, which, which the nuts and bolts and guts of it all was real fascinating to me. I wanted to build a world. Um, So I started, I've been drawing maps and, and collecting monsters from video games, from books, from lore, from mythology. I've been collecting the tools forever, but it was it wasn't until I read um, Pat Rothfuss's second book in the Kingkiller um, duology. Sorry, <laughs> bad joke. That, uh, <laughs> Bad joke. It wasn't until I read the second book that I that I that. Good grief, man! The writing was it was it captivated me, and it and it seemed real fun, and it seemed every every a lot of the lines had so many meetings, so many layers, and he made it seem real fun. And, um, I guess there was some amount of frustration with, uh, how little, this is not a critique on the book, but in my mind, how little had occurred, the writing was fun to read, but there was nothing going on. And I was like, I, I need to write this. I have all the me, I have the world, I have some monsters, didn't have any characters. Um, you know, those came with the idea of of writing this. So I was like, I'm going to write a decology. I'm going to write the ultimate just this massive story It ended up being one book <laughs> and uh it's perhaps the one that should have been shelved but uh but yeah i i wrote it um I, I don't think i don't consider myself having been unlocked or reached my potential which who has but i i guess it was only after i wrote that that i read other books like joe abercrombie who who showed me that a third person perspective can be just as intimate and in entrenched in the battles and in the grittiness as a first person perspective I've always preferred third person um, and then just books that had comedy in them Nick Nicholas Ames is kings of the wild when I read that and I found myself laughing out loud in a room where nobody else you know knew what I so they're reading and laughing out loud um, that really kind of inspired me I was like I can be funny you can be uh you can be anachronistic and funny and in the literature without, without potentially breaking the fourth wall, you know, um, but yeah, once I started writing, then I've, I've always observed that if I have ideas, if I, and I've always had ideas that if I write them down and get them out of my head more follow. And sometimes as you do that, your reservoir broadens; more ideas naturally come in, seems like. And so. Once I started writing, the ideas just started overflowing. And so I have tons of ideas for books. It's just a little frustrating that that writing is about the slowest (laughs) thing you can do. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that answered your question super well. But my most recent, Violence and Vigilance, I I toyed with some ideas For probably seven seven years before I started productively putting out chapters on a weekly basis I guess it's because mm. I had joined a writing group and we had mm. deadlines or at least pseudo deadlines um, which apparently worked real well for the um, procrastinator in me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
2: that's good to use the tools you're given right <laughs> yeah
1: for sure indeed
0: what are the what are the bigger lessons you learned from having a a writer's group?
1: Um, one was was the opposite of what I thought it would be. I thought I'm getting nothing done. If I get in a writing group, I'm going to get even less done, which is the opposite of hmm. what happened. And like I mentioned, um, I, I guess the deadlines made it quick quicker the the not necessarily affirmation but the feedback from somebody else especially somebody else's interest that fuels a fire in you to to let them know if no one else but yourself and that one person or whomever is in your group you have this you know i guess sort of sense of duty to to move forward and and to at least satisfy their curiosity you know you know how it's going to go or at least you have some idea or at least you will you know yeah, it's the deadlines of it is, is what helped me. But also looking at someone else's writing, it's not. let's assume it's not absolute garbage. Let's assume it's not like sub draft one that you're given. It's gotta be something readable. Um, yeah, it, 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 you analyze their writing and in, in analyzing the techniques they use and stuff, you kind of grow yourself, you know, I think. <laughs>
2: And on that note, what what is your uh, your process for finding the time to write everything you want to write? <laughs> ugh,
1: is, I, I I've never been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD, but I think I am eaten up with it. So, um, my observations are: I write in bursts, and it's typically after I've ingested some amount of caffeine. So I'd, I, I'll i write one or two or three hours um, in the morning, like 8 a.m. And maybe it's my having worked at a day job in an office for, you know, however long I, I did that train me to be productive at that time, you know, versus in the evening or something like that. Um, yeah, morning. If, and if I can have quiet – well, not necessarily quiet, just quiet people. I, need, I like music playing while I write. Something like um, instrumental, no lyrics, because, again, I'll get distracted. But instrumental – in the morning ish, I got my coffee in me, and then on a good day of, of writing in, in, in a situation like that, I'll run far past lunch. I don't really eat bre- much much breakfast at all, maybe an orange. Um, but sometimes I'll realize I am dehydrated <laughs> and it's 2 p.m. I'm starving and I'm getting toward pissed off, you know, hungry. <laughs> Which that's a good day. I don't feel great when that when I get there, but if I can ride ride over lunch without noticing it, that's mm-hmm. that's a good day.
0: So what uh, what kind of music, what's your go-to for music when you're writing the instrumental?
1: I'm gonna go full (laughs) nerd. Let's see, video game soundtracks is is the easy answer. Um, And lately I've gotten more snobby. Now it's gotta be orchestrated. It can't be just NES, 8-bit, 16-bit. Although I will absolutely listen to the Chrono Trigger soundtrack (laughs) whenever. Certain Castlevania soundtracks. Skyrim is a great one. typically i like more chill stuff because i feel like that helps my brain like even if i'm writing a battle scene i want something that's kind of that stills mm-hmm. the storm inside my head i guess um even if i'm writing something awful and, and, and tragic i want something chill something something zen and skyrim has some amazing music
0: yeah great soundtrack there's a like a kind of a documentary i guess on on youtube but how they the orchestra and everything, how they did the soundtrack. It's pretty, pretty wild.
1: Well, I am going to have to check that out. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Making a note of that right now. (laughs) I'll, uh, I'll
0: send it to you. I'll see if I can pull it up.
1: (laughs) Cool. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. I heard some, I heard some fishy things about, um, Jeremy Sewell soul, however you pronounce the the composer of all that. Some, some funny business about him getting kind of, odd with women and and then like pressuring with them and saying i need this for my art you have to uh do this for me for my (laughs) for my art." it's creepy i'm laughing it's creepy business but thankfully i'm i'm capable of dislodging the art from the artist and not putting his name it's just the feelings that i get while listening to
0: it oh man that's not cool
1: and I don't know how much of that... I shouldn't mention that unless I unless I know what I'm talking about. This, again, this is just a thing I... Some years ago, there was some amount of, I guess,
0: hmm. controversy on Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. I'll, I'll see if I can find it. I know it was on YouTube. I'll see if I can locate it and send it to you.
1: If it exists, I'll find it.
0: Yeah. One way or another. Really good stuff. There's, uh, there's so many great instrumental bands, though, uh, that... that uh, so many great... I mean, you the emotion you can pack into an instrumental song is pretty pretty crazy if you just sit and listen to it.
1: I can I can bring myself to tears with an instrumental song. Some, not like not to name names, but there are some songs off the Final Fantasy X hmm. soundtrack that um, I don't even know, and I can't remember if I've ever even played the game, but some of the songs are just very emotional. And, and by now I've kind of linked them to a scene in a book or linked them to a character entirely um oh Apoc- so on bands apocalyptica i, I don't know I- they may be swedish as these cello players they put distortion yeah. on their cellos i feel like they started out by covering some metallica <laughs> albums but they also have their own like original music yeah i've heard i've I- heard that's them. really good yeah. stuff that They're motivated good, a yeah. whole race <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: who are your go-to's jared do you have any go-to's uh, that you listen to i'm a
2: to? big uh dream data fan and um Oh, their best! Oh my gosh, me and, too. Uh, so, uh, so you must know. <laughs> nice. You must know their um, that offshoot side thing they did—a liquid tension experiment. That's all instrumental. Yes. So it's uh, it's uh, I like yes. to listening to that stuff too when I'm yeah. trying to write stuff, or what have you. Um, they're my uh, they're my go-to, and they and, and they have uh, pretty much anything related to that kind of music I I like to listen to. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that I, I can imagine music like that—progressive, prog, yeah. prog rock, prog metal—probably like opens weird synapse paths in your head just because it's not typical. It's, it's not your everyday four-four. It's top ten. Yeah, it's funny you, mis-
2: you mentioned that at because, all. Um, the the drummer now, Mike Mangini, he used to teach at Berklee College of Music yes. here in Massachusetts, hmm. and uh, he actually said that in one of his lectures. He said. The time signatures of, of progressive music actually works to change synapses in your brain and how you listen to things. Mm. And uh, if Crazy. over repeated exposure, you know, of course, but uh, um, yeah. And so it's it is a thing. It actually opens up you know it opens your mind basically <laughs> so
1: yeah Yeah, I believe it. It, it even if it's even if it's just me on the drive the steering wheel tapping trying to find the time signature like this is not 4 it's not 7 that was 7 yeah. now yeah, it's 13 the, yeah, the, something the latest song yeah.
2: he had something 17 the latest album it was, it was like a drum, drum timing <laughs> it <was> like,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> of course he did and it's, yeah, and yeah. he has drums that are above his head So yeah, he has like yeah. a double drum riser Run one low, regular and then one way up with the <laughs> yeah, egg hangers, whatever they're called. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's crazy.
0: Did you study, have you studied music too, uh, David?
1: I've not, but I've always uh, I've always loved music. I've always kinda had a natural like I have a good good ear for stuff. If I hear a thing I can probably hmm. play it on guitar or piano. Um, I'm in a band, I play bass, but we're we're largely a cover band now for um, oh, for nineties rock. <laughs> not 90s dream theater you know <laughs> what we play is yeah. typically four four time signature uh not so much shredding we're a three-piece um but yeah I'm, uh, music is another of my creative outputs and 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 cover shows are they pay way uh, better hmm. than original shows if you're a no one yeah if you're, a, if you're a small band <laughs>
0: hmm. what are some of your favorite songs to cover
1: Ooh, that's a good question we're always adding a little something to the mix. We recently added um, Auto Note by Alanis <laughs> Morissette. And uh, first of all, that's kind of a masterpiece of the song anyway. But when you have everybody in, our, in the in the crowd singing certain lines with you, our, our, our drummer has a high voice, kind of like Geddy Lee, um, yeah. which, Jared, you may be familiar with if you're a fan of Dream Theater. Obviously, Geddy Lee is singer for Rush. Yeah. He's got a quite high voice. So our drummer sings our... Uh, girl songs like no doubt certain no doubt songs Alanis Morissette other things um, zombies zombie by the Cranberries um, anyway here in the band the, the crowd sing it back sing certain lines back to us yeah uh, that's that's a fun thing <laughs> otherwise busy stuff things that I can dance to or things that we can give a little reggae slant or a little metal slant to those are those are fun to cover we put our we, we put a little of our own flavor on pretty much everything we cover. Nice.
0: <laughs> that sounds like fun a lot of fun was it uh are you yeah
1: it's fun I, I dread it i dread it all the way up until the show because i'm a i'm a 100 percent introvert i act like i'm not and i'm comfy talking to people but getting out in a place in a crowd and being on stage uh i dread it in my guts until i'm there and then <laughs> the best time yeah in you know. the same way. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yep. <Yeah. laughs> that's that's. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's that would, sounds nerve-wracking for sure. To you'd be on stage.
1: Well, there there is. We, there are libations. I've gotten. Uh, I've, we've been doing it so long that I have a very. Um, I guess I, I beer and myself. We have a very <laughs> uh, close relationship, and that doesn't mean I drink a ton. I drink on average two and a half beers at one of these shows. And if I get over two and a half, and depending on what kind of beer, you know, if it's something stout, I try not I steer clear. I can't gauge that so well. But if I'm playing a song and my hands not moving quite fast enough, it's time to switch to water for about a song or two. And if I'm playing a song and I'm a little too aware of everybody looking at me, it's time to slam one real fast and get a little less aware <laughs> of everybody around me, so I can carry on. <laughs> My wife is like, you look like you're having a blast up there. I'm like, it's very calculated. You have no idea.
0: That's funny. <laughs> Do you have any uh, any beers you prefer when when you have to break break glass in an emergency?
1: Good question. Uh, good question. No, to be honest, and this is going to be a this is not going to make any beer snob happy. I have a I have an ABV that I am that I stay within. If it's between four and six abv if it's anything stronger than that it's harder for me to gauge If it's anything less strong than that just give me water you know um i i guess i can drink what i would call a yard beer that's your miller light bud light any kind of domestic garbage <laughs> carbonated water beer flavored water a touch of flavor <laughs> beer flavored water yes um i like a. Uh, I don't want to say IPA. It feels like a trendy answer, but I do like a I do like a, an odd flavored IPA. I do like a wheat beer. I'm back to wheat. I, I had a little That's blue moon stuff. phase a couple <laughs> of years ago. Um, that got oh, I love it Fish with an orange. Um, I got tired of it. I, got, I wanted to branch out, and so I did. But now I'm back. I like a wheat beer. Um, stouts again, a little too much for on stage, but I will sip on one, not on stage. <laughs> Kind of, I'm kind of down for anything. Um, I like I like local brews, and we have a brewery here in town. I'm in a very small town down here in Georgia, and it has a brewery. And so I'm like, what's what's good? What's you know? Because the guy who, who owns the place, we're friends with him, and he he's always talking about what he's made. And he's like, yeah, I dumped some cranberries in this one, and now it came out like this. And I'm like, <laughs> give me a cup.
0: I will try anything you got. <laughs> I will drink that. Give it to me. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm yeah. looking at uh, your
2: book cover here, and it says it's book one of uh, Ter- Teres- Teresia Yes, uh, Teresia Untamed. Teresa. So what is the? Um, hmm. How many? Of how many? Are you a plan for?
1: I'm thinking there's going to be about <laughs> twelve. Oh. oh no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's two. <laughs> there are there are two. There are only two. I don't I don't have an enormous series in mind. There I have some enormous stories in mind. But um, considering how huge book one is, book one was supposed uh-huh. to be two books. Um, I don't want to I don't want to drag it out for, for, for too too long. And maybe it's the ADD in me, but I probably want to jump to a different continent on Silixia oh, okay. that is not Teresia and explore something else over there, and explore, and so my, I, I released a book in 2014 called A Sawmill's Hope, and that takes place on a, a smaller nation, it's younger characters. Uh, if, if, if I were to label it on the grimdark scale, it is significantly lower on the scale than this, than violence and vigilance. Um, I would call it PG-13 if books had that sort of rating. And it takes place on, a, on, a, on an island-ish nation um, that's north and east of Teresia. And there is some, uh, I guess you could call it Easter egg, sort of references to one another. It is a lumber, their chief export is lumber. So in the story, in in Violence and Vigilance, we do reference that they've harvested all the, for Vilda, has harvested all the the lumber that it can from the mainland, and now they're outsourcing. They're having to go to different places like Tiasa, because they're trying to build this massive fleet to invade Oscan. and I lost the original question, <laughs> like I expected to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you answered it. went That's on, so That was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I'm sorry.
0: It's my and curse. You, you, see, you mentioned you explore different continents. Do you have your world mapped out? Because you create maps too, right?
1: I do. I do. But nothing is nothing is presentable enough to even put. What I would call a work in progress on on like my website or somewhere like that, and even Teresia itself. As as long as I've been drawing maps for it, and as many as I've drawn, and as clean as the maps are, um, I guess I just haven't sat down with a with a good cartographer because I don't I don't want to attempt it myself. I, I want something. I'm not an artist. I'm I'm, I'm a dabbling an artist, but not not worth you know. I would want a, a nice cartographer to get something hmm. solid down for it before, which on that, it's kind of a shame that I, that I dropped this massive fantasy epic and there's no map in the front. I'm, I've kind of disappointed myself because I love maps. I love looking at them. <laughs> It's there, it's coming. I, I, way I see it when i when i when I release if when I release a hard copy um, special edition, there will be illustrations, uh, there and go. there will definitely <laughs> be maps. nice.
0: I'm sure maps are, it, it sounds easy, but I think it there's more involved than just here's a map because you want it to have a scale and everything, and there's a lot that goes into it.
1: Yes, and, the, and scale is a good point because while I did a lot of research, so while writing the character, there are characters who move from point A to point B, um, just like any good fantasy. And uh, sorry, my wife—the wa- light turned on in the garage. I didn't. You may, you guys may have noticed my wife walk right past me. Um, ADHD man, it's a squirrel. Um, <laughs> Oh, so right. Characters are going a distance. I think I I, I needed them to travel 50 miles and I knew what kind of terrain. So I went online. I said, how far, how long does it take you to travel? Or what is the average walking speed over rough terrain like rocks? What is the average walking speed over X amount of incline up a hill and so on? So I have the details of this map pretty cemented. I just don't know how to communicate Mm -hmm. that to. Uh, a cart- I mean, I probably could. I guess as far as priorities go when launching this book, Map was right below Get It Launched, Published, and Into the World. And so it was left by the wayside. The whole process was.
0: Yeah. it's. Um, I always wonder what it's like to work so long on something because you, you, you have this brewing in your mind for so long to to work so hard on it, to put so much of yourself into it, and then to release it and to have anyone be able to, to read it and anyone be able to look at it and kind of like what is that like
1: you know what on that I, and I want to circle back to regarding writing groups um, showing your work to somebody that isn't you is a huge is getting over the I guess unwillingness to do that and, and your own you know thinking it's so precious and, and gosh I hope so. I hope everybody hearing just some, some outsider go that guy's stupid and you know or something like that. Just three words wreck your entire day. Uh, it's good. It's good to get that kind of feedback. It's very helpful, and it makes you less um, concerned when you do release it. Um, and, in, and yeah, so regarding working on something for forever and ever, yes, I, there are details that I and in, in just intrinsically know about the world, and I and it. I guess I sort of expect you know. I, don't, I didn't realize I was doing this, but I expected the reader to sort of know it. And so, that's another good thing about feedback. When I, when I gave this off to the developmental editor, um, there were some times when he would come back and be like, I don't know what this word means. I haven't known what this word means from moment one, and <laughs> you, you gotta tell me what this, how is, you know, why didn't you think this was, good? <laughs> nothing like that, but like, you gotta tell me what this word means. And I'm like, okay, you make a good point. Uh, things that I took for granted, they. Feedback, yeah, developmental you
2: know. editors can't be can't be underestimated. You know.
1: Yes. Yeah. And and no. And I got to shout out mine, John Gerald. He's got his own literary agency now, and um, he's huge. He's a rock star. Uh, like this sounds like I'm trying to toot my own horn. He's the literary agent who found Robert Jordan way back. I'm not saying he wrote Robert Jordan's books but he found him. he's the one who uh first made things happen for Robert Jordan nice and then he was my developmental editor and because he was very flattering to the document when I the manuscript when I sent it to him and he was he had very nice things to say about it uh but one of the characters he hated him from moment one hated his guts and that that resulted in a 40,000 word rewrite of a character and this is after after the writing group um which is admitted me, ad- admittedly, more lenient, and they. My writing group is less. Uh, well, they're not. They haven't been in the in the industry for as long as, as John. They haven't. They don't have the experience. They haven't seen what he's seen. They don't know. You know, they just don't know it as well. So his hmm. his words meant more to me than my writing group. That makes sense. You know, I mean he's, he's his a professional and. Uh... <laughs> mhm, and he's smart.
0: So he didn't like the character because the character the character was supposed to be unlikable, or it was what was the reason he didn't like the character?
1: No, my 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 unlikable characters, I feel like they scratched that itch. But this one character, um, where would Wifey go? She not out here. How go for How much swearing it. is allowed on this on this particular? He was a he was just lame. I'm not. I I won't build up to it or anything. The character was unlikable. He was. It was uh, this. I guess very selfish john called him a wanker a tosser he called him so many british things i had to i had to look up the desk like what does this, what does this mean shit he is <laughs> uh i had to rewrite his motivation and i think a, a good reason for a character not working is if you can't get on board with their motives and my character had the, just the weakest fucking motive he was bored he was a bored guy And he kind of had no concern for everybody around him. He has a heroic arc, but it's halfway into the book, and it's too late. By now, fuck him. You know, by now he's he's already he's already he he blew the first impression, and so he had to be rebuilt. I don't want to say his name because folks would be like, I still don't (laughs) like him. He was boring. He was lame, and he was selfish, and he was and he was stupid. He made hmm. stupid decisions.
0: Yeah, I mean, it happens. Yeah. Do you uh do you <laughs> name characters after people you know or do you mold them around people that you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's only one in the book. I'm not going to say his name, but that is specifically named after uh, a guy I knew in 5th grade. I didn't get in a lot of fights in school, but there was this one <laughs> Black <laughs> in fifth grade. And, and yeah. <laughs> yes, his, name, his name made it to the book. And uh, I'd love to say he, he he gets a bloody death, but then I started writing, and I think he might get redeemed, dude. I don't love it, but I think he <laughs> might get redeemed. Um, otherwise, names can, be, names can be kind of flippant. It's like, if I need a name, especially for a minor character, gosh, I don't want to just blow all the easter eggs here but there's a character named lauren l-o-r-a-n he's a low ranking soldier so l-o-r-a-n low rank.
0: oh that's i gotcha a little,
1: that's a little bit of an easter egg i guess i hope it doesn't break the character he lit he dies in the same scene he's introduced so for <laughs> what it's worth he's a very minor character um otherwise some of the names here has has been with me for a long time. She started Odesta. Years back, she was Odesta, changed to Irdessa. And then there were names. So there was somebody whose name was Betrayer. It was a placeholder. And then it Hmm. became Treyu, because that was some little deviation of Betrayer. But then I changed it to something else later. I think it's actually something Swedish for Betrayer, which I don't want to give away. Again, (laughs) you know, a lot of this will be a little spoilerish. There's a a character, her name was... (laughs) manipulating because she was a manipulative lady. That placeholder, obviously. Well that changed to polyope, because it kind of, I don't know, felt hmm. in the same ballpark. And then it changed to something else again that I will not mention. Obsidia.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then some names they drop out of the, out of the sky, and, and it's like, well, that's his oh, name. Okay, There's I was going to ask if I'd
2: use placeholders like, a lot, you know? But
1: uh, yeah. Oh, a ton. So much. Um, the, one of the main guys, his name is Calderas. Uh His name was, was Herzlo. H-U-R-Z-L-O. Which I don't know where that name came from. But I remember I was talking to my parents about it one time, and my mom said, Herslow sounds like he should be a farmer. And I was like, well, so much for that name. And he got a name change. <laughs> uh, Cause he's not a farmer. he's a he's a consonant slayer. he's a he can summon lightning. He's a badass. He's not a farmer. Farmers can be badasses. He's hmm. not a farmer.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, do you ever use like name generators for if you can't come up with a name?
1: Not name generators because I feel like I mean well, I, I, I probably have tried it. I'll find uh, what what I like more than a name generator is determining a character's um, origin, which is, a given, usually. Um, so, in violence and vigilance, there's two nations that are in a simmering war. They're not; it's not all out. Not in this book. And one is Allscan, and the other is Forvilda. And Forvilda is cold; it's a little bit more Scandinavia, Scandinavian in nature. It has some tourist as- aspects, so it summons a lot of different folks. But but the place itself is a little more Scandinavian. So, I'll if if there's a character I need to name. And, and I can think of something, some emotion, or some noun, or something that embodies him, I will take that noun to Google Translate, and I will go through Swedish, um, Danish, just any any kind of Scandinavian language. Because, it, and not only does it work, it, it I feel like it also touches some some side of our subconscious. So while we're reading the name, for example, Sivia, or Sivia, um, we may not know that that translates to innocence or purity, but this character kind of embodies it and, and I think some kind of primal language I, I feel like it kind of is communicated in a subtle way in addition to it translating. And now if I take a word that is the, the translation, then I change some letters out you know, and, and kind of alter it to be not too on the nose.
2: Uh, you, and you mentioned Scandinavian influence quite a bit. Is that the The only influence on this world you create, or has, is there other stuff mixed in there?
1: I wanted to bring some books down, but I knew this was was uh, was, in the end it was going to be audio only. So the books that I show you guys would not translate to the thing. There, Oscan is is, um, if if there's any influence for it, it is it's a tropical island, and for me to find what what folks in such a situation might eat, how they might, what they might do. Um, with their time, how they build houses, how they build clothes. I have a book on mm. ancient Hawaii. Um, yeah, it's a yeah. real big, boring kind of textbook of a thing. And it right now is full of post-its where I go back and look at what kind of fish, mm. how they treat their fish, how do they, what they, you know, what, what are their exports and so on. What are some good words that I can incorporate and so on. Um, so if without hopefully, uh, you know, using any of their, any religious or, or pertinent culture, um, habits and maybe lifestyle of all can some of it has come from ancient hawaii and that may not yeah. even show through for all i know as much world building as i've done for the iceberg and all that you know and then with Forbilda, i think it's about the things they eat um and i have a book on that i have a book on norse stuff as well for for that um the, the way they build houses potential exports probably how they build ships things like that those will be sure. um, will come from that sort of influence.
2: That's new one. I never heard of Hawaii before.
1: <laughs> well, and, and there's not a ton of, of tropical landscapes. Well, there may be. I just don't know about. I don't know of a lot of tropical uh, landscapes in fantasy fiction. Well, I know of at least one. When I was while I was writing this in the late stages, not nowhere near um, releasing it. I read yes. Kings of Paradise. Yes, From a Favorite Trilogy, yeah. Oh, gosh, so good. Uh, um, it jumps back and forth between this cold, barbarian sort of place and this tropical place with this guy named Kale. And my fucking guy's <laughs> named Kale. When I read it, I was, I was both blown away by how good it is. Some of the ideas, the guy's perpetual memory, Ruka's perpetual memory where he creates mm. the haven in his sub- in his imagination, mm-hmm. and it's persistent. Um, I was blown away by it, but I was also so pissed off. I was like, "How did you get in my computer and steal so many freaking ideas from me, dude? I better get my cut." <laughs> <laughs> he did not, obviously, and he's a cool guy, and his ideas are exactly his own. But I think when you're writing a thing, you you tend to see your work. Yeah, I'm Everywhere sure. you see it. You see it in a lot of things around you and you're like, Oh God, I got to change this. I got to change that. I got to change. And in my opinion, <laughs> don't carry on because no one did it or will do it quite like you did.
0: Yeah. Rich was Rich great. I've talked to him a few times. He's a really, really yeah. interesting person to talk to for sure.
1: I've seen him on some talks. I haven't seen him on here. The last I saw on your channel was, uh, i watched Adrian Tchaikovsky mm-hmm. Um I just watched out or listened to that one it was on YouTube so I watched listened to it today. He's awesome. I like I like it. He writes too fast. There's that but <laughs> I'm kidding. I write slow. <laughs> He's got amazing ideas and he explores them very thoroughly. Yeah.
0: yeah, there's uh there's so many great um great authors out there just you mentioned all this research you've done for your world and I, it kind of makes me sad in a way when especially for fantasy because the author takes so much time and energy and builds this huge world, and as a reader, we only see the top of the iceberg. We don't see what's below. There's so much, yeah. There's Less so much more. It's it. kind of sad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> on, on that, you asked, you, were, you and Adrian talked about that, and he was like, "There'd be a lot more if it weren't for my editors cutting cutting pieces out." I've always, I want to have. I've, I've had in my mind this this compendium online. It's kind of like a wiki that. You know, certain universes, especially Sanderson's Cosmere, that kind of—I don't. I'm not going to say requires a wiki, but it <laughs> certainly deserves one. It, it has earned one, um, and I'd like to, for there to be something like that for 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 Air, which right now it consists of a Sawmill's Hope and Violence and Vigilance. But in my head, I see there being enough books on enough different lands with enough variety of beasts. Um, yeah,
2: to, for you yeah, to yeah, see more stuff. Has, you know,
1: uh, and uh, the
2: Malazan wiki. And it's, it's yeah,
1: I'm sure it does. That's that's some books that I'm i uh, yeah, it's going amazing. If, the, the, I know the wiki page
2: is amazing in itself. If you've read the books already, you don't want to go there now. But, <laughs> but uh,
1: yeah, right. And that's the thing. They, a compendium yeah. would potentially be spoilerish because there's so much, yeah. even mm-hmm. just geography, that if you just make it there for everybody, it's going to ruin some things about the book.
2: Yeah, yeah. Something, uh, something you might want to. You you could think about once the books have been up for a while, then you put something like that together. But uh, right away, mm-hmm. it would be yeah. Like I said, it would be mm-hmm. spoilish.
1: <laughs> right away, it, it It might spoil the whole dinner. Yeah, wouldn't want to. Who needs the book? I, got, I already got everything. So what,
2: what's behind the name Violence and Vigilance? Is that is that theme related or That's a good question
1: that, too. Uh, well, it's it's it's. It's a little on the nose for the story of play. The story is half the story is, is in Oscan and half is in Forbilda. The Forbilda is just a violent place. The, in fact the, the main the ruler of that country, his name is Bretos, his might Bretos, he maintains that if you can kill him, you can have you can you're the ruler now. Um, and everything is <clears throat> about that violent. Even his, his arm his the domestic patrol, which is the army, who who go out and they clean up the outlaws. More often than not, they also raid villages while they're at it. They're just, everybody around there, you better have your, keep your hand by your hilt. Is kind of, is kind of the phrase that pays in Forvilda because if you're not violent, somebody else is, and, and they'll get you. Whereas, Oscan, um, less violent, but it's, so the monks over there is a monastery. I don't use the word monastery in the, in the, in the book, but it's essentially a monastery. Um, these monks, the magic that they, that they use is song magic. And the way they are able to sing it into into being, sing changes to the atmosphere into being, is by first using supersensory perception to look at, say, any given outdoor situation and determine specifics on pressure, heat, aridity, and so on. So they're they use sight beyond sight to to observe their surroundings, and then they sing a song. To appreciate their what they're seeing and, and the gods they sing to see their appreciation they they reciprocate that and they say what changes essentially you know this is not a spoken thing but what changes do you want well i want fire to strike right there and they sing what they want to happen into into being but the vigilance is how they use super sensory perception and how their main guy their, the leader over there in timorous his presence in timorous um the phrase is Intimorous sees all that's kind of the thing they say to each other Intimorous Sees all like like it's a good thing um, <laughs> and it, he's hyper vigilant everybody over there they they rely on their vigilance to to cast spells to use magic and he relies on it to control to, to puppeteer and control well, that's interesting because uh,
2: that's a very very specific use for your title yeah and uh, that that's very because it could be <laughs> It could have been something much more vague, but uh, that's that's quite specific. That's interesting. Yeah, I like that.
1: It it, it could have been it could have had a, a very fantasy word in it, <laughs> but I felt like the market the marketing genius inside of me was like, nope, don't throw apostrophes, don't put apostrophes on the title, don't put any like kind of crazy word. I realize Teresa is a stretch, but I feel like without the word Teresa, you may not inherently know it's fantasy. But Teresa is kind of like okay, clearly this is fantasy, you know it um, started off the, the violent and the vigilant <laughs> and the first my my uh, typographer was like I just can't he was, he's working on it he's working on it he's like I'm just not sure where to put the other V and I'm like and I'm thinking on it thinking on it we're going back and forth and then somebody was like yeah the next one should be called too violent too vigilant and I was like shit I played Fast and Furious <laughs> the fantasy novel <laughs> so I lost both these both of them <laughs> <laughs> that's a, a good thing about input. another good thing about input wow. input from people who have no you know no dog in the fight or whatever that's funny wow <laughs> 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 ludicrous can make the theme song for it
0: <laughs> that's pretty good <laughs> the um marketing marketing sounds just terrifying to me to market a a book and to market it's it's like it it almost feels as though the writing the book is the easy part and it's of course it's not it's very difficult takes a lot of time but it feels like okay you you spend all this time writing it and then what and then okay now what like what do i do now you know
1: oh see that's that's how my first book went i had no idea and by the time and that was 2014 um by by the time this one came out i still had no idea but i was a little more entrenched in certain groups on like facebook certain certain writer groups on twitter and so on and i guess i just had uh more confidence in my story um steve i probably approached you in my typical uh marketing technique which is study find booktubers find book reviewers dig through their stuff, see if they would even be into, into something like this. If they are, hit them up and say, D- can I give you a free copy? And uh, ha- in doing that, and like not to you know lift the <laughs> curtain or anything, but in doing that, I'd say 40 to 50% of the time, hmm. you get back nothing, but I'm old and I have thick skin and I don't care, uh, who cares. Um, a lot of the time folks are like, yeah, absolutely, and I send it. And, and But then there's those rare cases where somebody says something like, I like the cover. I'd already seen the cover somewhere else. I just bought it. You don't have to send me anything. And then sometimes somebody says, Would you like to come talk on my channel? And I, of course, <laughs> hell yes, I'd love to come talk on it.
0: <laughs> who would say something that's so stupid? Like, who, who does that? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: God. Who knows? A, a genius and a scholar. <laughs> Not me. And yeah. No one else.
0: <laughs> no, it's a. Uh, I, I, I have so much. Things. I, I get so much. Um, I don't know, Jared, how you feel about this, but I. Whenever someone offers me a free book, I feel like I, if I can't get to it fast, then I feel really guilty. And I feel like if so, I'll so I'm like, I and then I it's just like sitting like well, it just it, sits there I, and stares at me, like read me, you know.
1: I, I try to convey, I try to convey and in, in not ambiguously at all that I have no expect, I will give you a free book with no expectations of you ever looking at it. Much less, li- and, and I, I don't know who I'm like preaching to here with this, but. I don't, I don't try to, I don't, there's no pressure to ever read it, ever review it, or ever bring it up. This is my marketing budget. This is, this is, ex- this is losses, acceptable losses, as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's throwing seeds toward a field, but some, will, some will take, some will not at all. I'm perfectly okay with whatever. That's, mm-hmm. that's how I feel about it. Yeah.
0: What about you, Jared? How do you feel about, uh, receiving yeah, books I, that. Would,
2: I would feel guilty as well <laughs> the book would be yelling the book would be yelling at me you know but, um,
1: <laughs> I hate that I hate but hearing I, that I, <laughs> I, know, but I appreciate hearing too. stuff
2: like that from you David that that um, there's no pressure and all that stuff and I haven't been around long enough to get many yeah. free books yet but um, but hold tight if one's uh, coming your way <laughs> uh, so fortunately I've been able to read the ones I did get but um, Fairly quickly, but I can imagine yeah. that if you're getting the more people you get to know, you know, it's probably more likely that you're going to get a few more free books thrown at you here and there. And uh, I can, uh, yep. yeah, I can, I can understand your feeling, Steve. That it's guiltily
1: staring at you from the shelf. <laughs> yeah. And, and and that's why I, I'm not surprised when people don't don't even respond because these are probably people who, have, who got five other yeah. requests that same day or I mean, at least that week. I, I and, even and feel guilty about the books this. that I bought yeah. I haven't read yet. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of do too. If I if I start a book, I'm reading three books right now, and I don't even want to mention them because I feel bad because I haven't finished any of them. Yeah. I love the authors. I love the book.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things, but. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I tr- but it, it's funny because sometimes you get emails that, and it's I've, I don't expect like a personalized email or anything. I, I know that it's a copy paste thing. It's fine, but sometimes they have the wrong name in the email. It's like I think you sent this to the wrong person, <laughs> but it's I just like to give them a hard time because it I I don't care. It's not a big deal, but it's just funny. Like oh,
1: dude, yeah. dude, I'm surprised <laughs> I didn't do that in this process somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised if I did. And I would hurt yeah
0: but, no, you, it can't be yeah yeah it can't uh, be wait a, you can't personalize every email that'd take forever
1: well no. I, I do so I try to if I'm if I'm sending them out I, I try to do I, there's the pitch doesn't change I try to I try to personalize some amount of it just because otherwise I don't know I try to give it some amount of value beyond like so there was a person who I reached out to uh, her name is Evie. I don't know how many booktubers know booktubers. I don't know who watches what. No. Her name is Evie. And I hit her up and I said, um, I want to give you a free book. Uh, I looked through. I don't know if you'll like it because I didn't. I didn't find evidence that she she loved, for example, Red Rising or Pierce or um, Joe Abercrombie books or just gritty gritty kind of stuff in general. That's my typical go-to to see if, you know, will they like it. I didn't see a lot of evidence she would, but I was like, my daughter's name was Evie. And so I'm, I want to send you a free book. And she wrote back, she's like, I love the cover. I, I, I bought it. And, and again, even when somebody says that, no expectations of them reading it. The way I see it, if, 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 if it keeps knocking on the door, if somebody has gotten a free book and, and they keep seeing people talk about it, they keep, well, I don't want there to be any obstacles between them and picking it up. And so they keep seeing the cover around here and there. Somebody that they like seems to have liked it or whatever. You know, I want them to have less excuses, one less excuse not to read it, and that is that I don't own it. Well, now you do. <laughs>
0: That's fair. Yeah, It's fair.
1: I don't know if it's a good marketing <laughs> technique or not. Time will tell, I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> gotta just take your shot for sure. Yeah. You gotta just go for it. Yeah. The what what it is about fantasy that you wanted to write in fantasy? Is there is there a certain thing that you incident or do you plan another writing other genres too?
1: I do not, not at this moment. I'm, it's not off the table. Nothing's off the table. Um, gosh, what is it? I'd say my earliest uh, love for for fiction stories, that being any kind of fiction stories, was things like um, *The Hobbit*. At some point thereafter, I found uh, some. It's not *Dragonlance*. It was Margaret Ways and Tracy Hickman. It's um, not *Dragonlance*. <laughs> anyway it's it's fantasy uh early on I, I played games like dragon warrior on the nintendo played final fantasy on the nintendo things with sword anything with swords swords and and monsters strange monsters have always really appealed to me um and i guess chasing that so i was going to mention this somehow depending on what questions brought me to it when i when i do write my priority is kind of you know the characters should be the priority my priority is kind of the world and it's also introducing cool monsters that i that i come up with and and less reliance on the given monsters like orcs and dragons i i, I don't feature any orcs and drag i'm not opposed to it maybe one day the time will come um but i would rather invent something that, that's that's new um but I think what the evidence of my books prioritizing the world is that the point of view jumps a lot. There, there's different points of like no two chapters no chapter will start with the same POV the last chapter was in. That's the point of view that the last chapter was in. And and the more point of views I have, the broader of a look I get at this world. And now characters obviously do matter. They have to matter. If, if the characters don't matter, the world doesn't matter. And I get it. And so. I do sculpt the characters, or try to, and try to give them believable motives and not stupid decisions to get their believable motives, even if I don't like them, even if they are not supposed to like them, I want them to make to make sense of why they're doing what they're doing. Um, but again, because of, because I love building the world, and I, part of me wants to play a video game inside Teresia and inside Oski, I want to like go into, go through the monks process and become a dancer and i or I want to fight in Casual the battle arena in Forveildo uh, and it's that fantastical stuff that just mm. sings to me if I had a second genre that I would that I would write it'd probably be sci-fi it's gotta be it's gotta be crazy one way or another it can't be you know just a thriller or, or just something without supernatural or un- otherworldly mm. stuff I love that stuff mm. speaking my language
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: What is about fantasy for you, Jared? What what brings you back?
2: Uh, it's, that's that's um, always what I've been interested in ever, since the beginning. Like ever since I started reading, because I I uh, you know I grew up on Dungeons and Dragons, and um, when I started reading, it was with Dungeons and Dragons books. You mentioned Dragonlance; that was it, and uh, from there, I just never mm-hmm. stopped. I um, you know I went into and It wasn't because I didn't try other stuff. I, I uh, you know I went into other genres when, especially when I went through school and stuff like that, um, and and I and I liked my fair share of classics and what have you, uh, but I fantasy always returned to it, and I, I really couldn't articulate why that was, until I read um, Stephen Donaldson's essay on epic literature. Epic fantasy hmm. um, as a, as a literature of reintegration, and that's his his essay explains that, and he explains why fantasy was so important in that essay, and uh, that was that's what that essay articulated for me what i what I love about fantasy. Um, so it, yeah, you should. It's a really, really like s- fascinating uh, essay. It's, and it's short too. It's not that long.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm making another note. If I just dis- my um, head disappears <laughs> I can still hear you. Yeah, and uh Stephen so, Donaldson.
2: And I and I, and I read Donaldson's books too, you know, back back then. Um and I uh, loved those books and uh and so that um but that essay it it articulated what I, I kinda always felt. And uh hmm. uh so that's um that's you know, that's it in a nutshell, that's why the fantasy thinker is my name, I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the,
2: you, you oh, made me, not, uh, no, was,
0: do you remember the title of the essay? There's it's, a couple of them.
2: Jeez. Um, oh, it is.
0: There's a necessary literature. Necessary literature. literature yeah. Epic fantasy necessary
2: okay. literature, I believe. Yeah. That's it.
1: Necessary. Okay. okay. I'm writing that down. Um, Another thing that, that, that and, and I have, I've dabbled in, in other genres as well, different um, thrillers and things like that, um, classics too, but I, sometimes the classics are, are just as fantastical. So, like sure. Bram Stoker's Dracula or, or Frankenstein or um, Portrait of, uh, what's the portrait of? D- Dorian Gray. What is that freaking book? Yeah, portrait yeah. that ages.
0: Yes, yeah, Dorian yeah, Gray. And that's, that's, uh,
2: even even the Iliad has um, its fair share of fantasy its mythological gods you know hmm. so but oh uh, for fantasy sure yeah, is, um, mm-hmm. almost the original literature really like <laughs> Gilgamesh and... I,
1: I I like I, I also like it because it's so far removed from the bullshit that I see every day and that's that includes uh well everything anything however with fantasy you can approach subjects like um, modern subject, you can you can put a, li- a p- fantastical lens over them, and uh, I hate to use the word satire or allegory, <laughs> but if you if you're able if you're smart it, in my opinion if you're smart about it if if, you're, if you find a deeper truth then it's no longer allegory or satirical it's just a truth. This hmm. is what I think. If you find like okay, so why shouldn't power be held by? Three corporations on Earth. I guarantee there are fantasy, you know, sci-fi novels, cyberpunk novels that that absolutely show you the dangers, you know, Will Gibson stuff, you know, Neuromancer, things like that, of a of a corporation owning too much power. And then you start seeing it in the real world, and you're like, that's just like freaking Neuromancer, things like that. Um, I like exploring problems from a different lens. So you might even see something that you deal with on a day-to-day basis, like an asshole at work. But fantasy can make it palatable, maybe. And, and, I don't know. <laughs> I need to read this, this essay and get myself some more vocabulary. <laughs> Question.
2: Yeah. Well, part of yeah. it is he, he takes the idea of the problems like you mentioned and uh, fantasy turns it into a monster or it turns it into, you know, a, a, a magic yeah, or like something that. else, you know. And then uh, when you're done reading yeah. that and you've, go on the journey with the with the character or what have you um then when you're done you reintegrate back into your life and you're able to and it helps you deal with it and stuff like that and that's that's part of it yeah it's it's he's my he goes can, much deeper can than you see it that, but, <laughs> yeah but,
1: uh, yeah for sure for sure yeah no, that's that wasn't popular. the essay you just read <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. yeah i know uh yeah, and, and then you, you're able to look at things differently, I think. It's,
0: it's funny you brought that up because I, I wonder when, when people talk about AI, it's like have you not read science fiction? <laughs> Why is no one worried about this?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Going back to that Tchaikovsky talk you had, like he said uh, the, the the horrors that we anticipated from AI are not what are afoot and it's not quite AI. It's large language models or language learning models and it's just a blabbery blabbery something talking if you turn around and look behind it there's nothing in there it's just spitting out what what we've already said or what has already been said or now what it's saying now it's a, just an infinite clone that is degrading 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 down into some eerie valley
0: yeah there's uh and now there's like ai girlfriends and things that people are uh getting into yeah.
1: there must that's be a market i keep seeing ads
0: <laughs> that's wild yeah, like the the film "Girl," I think it's called "Girl." Her, Her sorry, right. with Joaquin Phoenix. I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's I I,
1: I, I haven't seen yeah. it, but uh, he's a great actor. I bet it's a good.
0: It's a it's a, flick. A, little, a little close little closer. <laughs> I think it was like 2013, but it's like this. Yeah, I think I did see that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that the one where she eventually? No, no, no. I'm thinking of something else. There's one where this AI eventually gets uh, so, I guess, intellectually complex that dealing with a human feels like it's wading through molasses, it's unbearably slow and it can no longer keep relationships with people. It has to have relationships only with others like itself because it's so advanced and it's so quick that it's like talking to a human is just glacially slow. I don't think that That must not be it. It might have been. I don't remember what that is.
0: Sounds familiar. Find that out. Sounds familiar. The premise, yeah. yeah, But I wanted to ask you. You have someone on your website that Jeff Bezos called you and congratulated you. So I wanted to know how that conversation went.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he did not. He did not. That was a that was a matter of me looking for a graphic for the for this monthly. Uh, I've been keeping a monthly update, so to speak, for for a long time. Longer than is on that blog. I had a I had a previous blog too, and that one goes back to well I don't know how far. So I've noticed they do better if I put an image. And so I just grabbed the sales rank, which was one million something, and I white out the rest of the numbers. So now it's Amazon sales rank number one. And I and so I was like, Yep, that's right. Jeff called me. I misspelled Jeff with the. Oh. Uh, it was it was a little bit um. Yeah, I like tongue that. In cheek. I
0: thought that was pretty neat. That's
1: funny. That it's that it's spelled in the same way. Um, oh no, Joffrey Brampian is not. His still has a J. But it occurred to me that I spelled, I spelled it similarly to the, one of the most hated <laughs> characters in fantasy. <laughs> not intentionally, just happened.
0: <laughs> that was pretty good. I like that.
1: I try to keep a lot of fiction going on in my blog so people will know what they're getting into if they buy a book of mine. It's pure fiction. Uh,
0: you know, speaking of, you know, like your blog and, and marketing and things, how do you decide which platforms to focus on or do you, do you depend on them too much or do you notice uh, how do you use them Ooh. or how do you decide what, you know, what platforms to put time and energy into?
1: That's a good question. Um, for the past five or six or seven years, I've justified keeping social media at all because I'm like, eventually i got to sell books. I'm going to be on here. i got to keep relationships with folks. And I've had Twitter since 2009. I've had Facebook since before that. Recently got Instagram, grudgingly. I don't love any of them. I realize it's not Twitter anymore. I'm going to give a shit. I'm not going to call it fucking X. It's stupid. Um, I will if I have to.
0: Elon but- is listening.
1: Why have I not jumped on? For <sighs> go ahead, <laughs> Elon, buy my freaking book, dude, and review it, or don't. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't love the idea because every to me, every additional social media I get on is another procrastination. Is another thing that's got me looking at the little metal object in my hand, and I don't cherish that. If I had some amount of of a. Not necessarily control, because I know you can buy things that'll limit the amount of, you know, Facebook you get on per day. Um, But then the idea of of starting fresh on, like, TikTok and trying to put out catchy videos with trendy tunes and stuff, as much as I should embrace that sort of thing, because I did choose to self-publish this, which means this is now my responsibility to do, I just don't want to. It feels like not writing. It all feels like, I don't know. I so to answer your question in a very unorganized, unprofessional, un ignorant sort of sort of way. That's that's my answer. But then I see folks like Josiah Bancroft, who completely hopped off of Twitter, and he seems to be doing fine. He's got a new book out, The Hexologists, which I'm currently reading. Um, which to me, his books not grimdark but there are a lesson in uh prose that borders on poetry without being too purple without being too uh flowery and distracting he's able to accomplish a lot with very few words but he jumped off there and he is on instagram he recently followed me on instagram which is kind of exciting <laughs> seems like <laughs> i don't have a good answer so for for facebook i had you know, I, I shout out my book now and then, but I it always feels weird just going, Hey guys, check this out. I made it, but I'm unbiased. Uh, check it out. It's really good. I don't know, I don't like it.
0: Well it's tough when they're engineered to, to keep our attention and to keep us scrolling. You know, it's a weird thing to depend on that. And and then plus what's happening with Twitter or whatever it's called this week is um, it can all disappear tomorrow. So you can spend all this time. Building a following and all this time posting yeah. every day or whatever yeah. this, whatever the algorithm likes or whatever. And tomorrow it can be gone. Right.
1: Yeah. And and I've I've noticed it on this is a tangent regarding Twitter. <laughs> I'll keep it brief. <laughs> and sometimes I do. So I I made a rule a couple years ago, maybe three or four or five years ago, and that is don't yeah. argue online. Nobody comes online to change their mind, to go, what can I learn? How can I grow today from somebody else's opinion that I don't know? Nobody comes online like this. So what's the freaking point? You're just going to make a a dumbass of yourself. And then eventually a year or so later, I was like, I, I stretched it out to say, don't even have a conversation online because it can be misunderstood and it comes off like an argument. And then what if you say something you thought was funny, but somebody else finds highly offensive. It's forever. It's immortal. Well, oh. I broke my rule recently because I found a <laughs> Twitter <laughs> I found a Twitter account called Herbivorize Predators hmm. that uh, they're tired of all the suffering in the world. They think evolution got it wrong and they think that predators should all sh- should all cease to exist. and if they can't um, go away, maybe we can alter their genes to where they'll stop eating meat. We should all eat plant. Everyth- everything and everybody, shitty plan it's so befuddling saying it out loud if my wife could hear me she would kick the stool out from under me because she's so sick of hearing me complain about this shit it's just asinine and maybe they have a point i just don't think they can do it on earth in our lifetime or in any lifetime that we can foresee such a bizarre priority let's end all suffering of of things being eaten anyway sorry tangent
0: ADHD again. I think was there. I saw something recently about how plants can scream or something, and it's like, oh, what, what, what's next? Like what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that if you sing to plants, they grow better, and that may have been proven to be an absolute <laughs> placebo. But uh, yeah, in. On that, same same thing, the herbivory, er, 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 I hate saying the word. I don't want to even legitimize the word by saying it. Depredatorize the word, world. Um, they're like, yeah, we want to end suffering for anything sentient. And I'm like, so bacteria? And they're like, define sentient. And they're like, well, reacts to stimuli. Okay, so sunflowers, Venus flytraps. We can't, should be we not eat? Well, no, no, sentient means can do this. Okay, so then suffering? Well, when I work out, I suffer. And the next day I suffer if I'm sore. And I'm way better because of it. You, is that suffering? Is that bad suffering? What, where do you draw the line on, on, well, being eaten? What if you're being eaten by a tumor? This, I would probably rather get crunched to death than eaten by a crocodile than, than over the course of a year, or two years, or five years just lose fucking mm-hmm. dementia. Things like, you know. Not to get dark, but... <laughs> uh, yeah. I need to go make <laughs>
2: I need to I go make over
0: stick it. Stick I hope I... <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> listen I use these I got cana. I put them to use Boy. every chance I get sorry
0: yeah the uh, I'm reading Entangled Life about fungi and it's it's wild the things that fungi do and there's a zombie fungi that takes over insects it'll it'll actually yeah uh, it's cordyceps. wild it's crazy it's like you never eat a yeah. mushroom again <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and I didn't like mushrooms to begin with. I'm very uh, I, I'm very uh, picky about mushrooms. It can't be out of a can. I think oh. that's how my mom introduced us to mushrooms and green beans. Straight out of a can. And uh, sure. and spinach, too. And I hated all three of them for so long until I realized
0: the world has better. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. Canned mushrooms. <laughs> oh, on that post, that, so I shared, you may notice, one of the pictures I shared was Rihanna. Which she's always been one of the, uh, so when I'm making a character, sometimes I need to, if I'm writing a thing they do that somebody observes them do, it's, it's good for me sometimes to have a visual. And she does a fair job of representing one of the characters in the book. She also does a good job of catching eyes. If you put a picture of her on social media, like, what does she have to do with this book? Ooh, click the link and find out. Um. So I guess that would be some soft marketing right there.
0: I think having your own website and, and having a mailing list and having a way for you to connect directly with your potential customers or your customers or your readership, I think is super important. I think most people overlook that and they depend on these platforms that who knows what's going to happen tomorrow.
1: Right. Yeah. Speaking of who knows what's going to happen, I had a compendium after I, made, after I released uh, Sawmill's Hope. I did that with a Kickstarter. Um, and one of the things I built was a compendium. I'm not gonna tell you the name of it, and I'll tell you why in a second, regarding <laughs> things that can be gone tomorrow. Um, on this site, I would put some nouns, or you know persons, places, or events, or things from the book, especially if there was artwork. I'd put those in there. I'd put a little flavor text, like on a Magic card, which, by the way, I have not given Magic the Gathering enough credit in my fantasy upbringing. Those little lines and italics at the bottom of the cards always intrigued me. I'm like, where's the rest of the story? This is awesome! It was always such a good hook, but I wanted that on the compendium. I'd have a picture of a thing, a little description, and then flavor text, which would be actual canon from a published novel. Um, and I had some entries in there, and you know, I was always like, oh, but is it going to get spoilery? I was always a little bit wary of that. Well, my buddy who was hosting it, he, he We bought several websites, several domains. He let it lapse. And a, for lack of a better word, what appears like a Chinese Hmm. porn business has acquired one of my websites. And and they just, they have it now. So if you were to travel to this URL that is mentioned in A Sawmill's Hope from 2014, you will go to a Chinese... (laughs) Porn website like full of ads oh, for no. just the most awful thing. <laughs> On the plus side, it's clearly not related to me, so it's not like I did it, you know. But things that can be gone tomorrow, lost the whole mm. site, lost all of it.
0: Yeah, don't don't go to that website. In other words, right?
1: No, 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 no. Nope. Dodge that one. Wow.
0: What uh, What advice would you have for people who want who want to try a Kickstarter? What What lessons did you learn?
1: That's a good quote. Um, one of them is is a uh, is is the same lesson that a lot of videos would will already tell you, and that is you better know where your where at least thirty percent, or it might be more than thirty. You better you better already know going into it where a good chunk is going to be coming from. It better be assured, because if you go into it with zero, there is less chance, like statistically, of it ever being funded. Um, I would say keep your total low. I would say do all of your research. If you're gonna be shipping things, you better know exactly how and where you're gonna be shipping it. If you're going to be producing something, maps, paper maps, postcards, whatever, you better do your research. You gotta know all of it. Um, s- stretch goals are probably a good thing. Well, that's, that's hard to say. I don't. Let's, we can scratch that because just coming into it fresh, you're going to struggle to make uh, $4,900, which I struggled. In fact, toward the end, I was ready. I was sitting there with my credit card like, this is not going to fail. I mean, it, it mine cleared the finish line, or cleared the $4,900 goal in the same 10 minutes that it ended. And I think he's never admitted to it, but I think my dad jumped on anonymously and threw like three $300 at it. Um, I was ready to, because I was like, because with Kickstarter, it's all or nothing, you know? And I was like, I'm not coming this close, funded from all these strangers that are, you know, and so on. Yeah, it's tough. I I, I do plan to possibly do another Kickstarter, but I I have to know there's demand first. And with the Sawmill's Hope, I did not know there was demand. I tried to sell it. I think I did an okay job. Well, clearly, because it almost got to 4,900, which covered uh, editing... And illustrations I wanted 20 something illustrations I wanted a hardback I wanted to get in with Ingram's Ingram spark and make a hardback edition I have different priorities now I guess that's another thing know your know your know your priorities um, know what you can live without make a make a very I don't know defined list of what you are going to do how much will it cost and um, overcharge, I don't want to say overcharge, but know how much it'll cost to send out those gold packages. When somebody when somebody gives you 50 bucks, can you afford to send all that stuff, to produce and send all that stuff for $50? You have to work it out beforehand, or else you're just going to lose money, you know, or not be able to fill it. Also, be timely. So many Kickstarters, thats the Kickstarter's notorious, you know, for there being a successful mm-hmm. one and then just silence silence for a long time be, be be there be ready to update regularly so that if you cannot kick things out timely you know at least you're telling people what's going on you know be honest with folks be very transparent if you can i don't want to overstep my uh, advice for kickstarter because i've only done one and it was j- it is barely successful
0: no i think it's um it's a journey for sure yeah i'm sure. It's-
2: that's uh, mm-hmm. certainly more than I would be able to give up <laughs> as far as advice goes. <laughs> I've never done that. So.
1: <laughs> I'd like to do one again. I'd, uh, I would like there to be illustrations. I want there to be a hardback special mm-hmm. like uh, the Broken Binding, the kind of stuff they put out. I'd like to make one of those somehow. Um, get Felix to do some more art. If I can you know, afford enough of his time, obviously it'd be a good starter. <laughs>
0: yeah. He's in demand. Yeah, he's in demand. Maps.
1: Gosh, he is. He's, he's, he's it's great to see,
0: though. It's good to see someone, uh, you know, get, you know, kind of work their way up. Because I think when he did, uh, was it Beyond Redemption? I think he did Beyond Redemption. Um, I don't know if he's that well known, but seeing him, you know, kind of so busy, it's, you, it's, you're happy to see that you people are successful.
1: Yeah. So, and and, and from, from the point that I first started working with him, because I started with him in 2021, I had an unrealistic expectation of when the book would be done. Started with him in 2021, book launched in 2023. But during that time, he did mention um, he's like, if people ask you about my rates, they have changed. So don't, you know, you might not tell them my old rates, and that's because of the demand. Because again, he's such a hot topic, and I feel like he's almost like monumental to indie publishing to an extent. Or he's definitely made a significant mark, a huge mark on indie publishing mm-hmm. in general. Him and Sean T. King, SDK creations, the typography, and and whatever all technical terms that is, the words, the words on the front, the design, I guess.
0: Good covers are so important, though. I think it's worth the investment to get a really good artist and have it.
1: I do, too. And I'm hypersensitive to AI covers now. Whenever I see a cover that, that, that hits my little... My suspicions, i look at the hands. Why are there so many fingers on that hand? Why, why are those fingers so bent and weird? Why, why does that thing look weird? Like you know, I'm looking for a, the marks, the trademarks of AI in, in imagery now. I guess, I don't know. I realize AI is, is such a great tool for people who can't afford it. Hmm. For example, $1,000 cover, but... Yeah. Anyway. There's some controversy. Yeah, with
0: just it. a little bit. <laughs>
1: A little bit, a little bit of hate. Well, because it's just it's it's entirely derogative, or uh, de- not derogative, but uh, uh, using existing art. It's it it hoovers up everything it sees, and that could be living artists' artwork, obviously, if it's public, and it spits out. You know, it, it if it were just creating art of its own design, it'd be one thing. But the fact that, that part of its reservoir kind of is other people's property, makes it, uh, it just makes it, I don't want to, I, I don't want to use it, you know, not, not for anything I'm trying to make money off of.
0: Yeah. It's wild. But, uh, I saw also on your website, very handy, uh, that you have a kayak business. So tell us about kayaks.
1: I do. Uh, it's a kayak mm. rental and delivery business, which is a strange business, <laughs> idea possibly but uh my wife and I were there are a lot of lakes down here my wife and I were visiting one up north and we saw this truck and it had a if, you know wherever we go if, if we go to a lake it's cheaper and easier to to rent a kayak or a paddleboard than a boat than a pontoon or something like that and, and sometimes we want to get out on the water she and I used to work on a river close to here um, which was a more traditional kayak business where you go up you park they take you upstream, you get in a kayak, you go down this five-mile stretch, take a shower, get back in your car, and you're good. Um, we've worked at one of those for a lot of years, um, way back. And so we had some experience with kayaks. We liked kayaking. Um, but yeah, we went up to this lake up north and we saw they they had a truck and it, and, and it was wrapped. It had the decals covering the, the whole thing. We're talking about kayak delivery up on Lake Kiwi or Jocassee or one of those lakes up there. And we were like, clearly there's money in this, and the more we thought about it, it's like, if a person wants to go to the lake and go kayaking, the simplest way they can do that is, first, go buy, let's just say, simplest and cheapest. They go by Walmart, find some piece of shit, go ahead and buy straps, take it outside, set it up on top of their car, strap it down, then they go to the lake, they play with it, take it home, put it in the yard... And now it's going to become part of their yard. It's just the ecosystem of their yard now, this plastic, you know, eyesore. What if we could cut out all that and make it a lot easier for somebody to just go to the lake. I'll meet them there. I'll give them a kayak. They kayak to their heart's content, be it a day. If they're camping for a week, they, you know, however long And then then I pick it up when they're done with it. That's kayak paddles, life jackets, whatever else. Gosh, publicizing this. I'm going to start getting some competition now around Lake Hartwell now. Which is fair. I, I always said that if 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 a business can't uh, survive without competition, it was it probably wasn't a good business anyway. And so anyway, um, so yeah, that's what we do. Lake Hartwell is a huge lake up here, and I'm willing to drive to almost any part of it for and, and drop off a kayak. and And these days, now that we're in October, hmm. it's a lot of campers, so I'm going to a lot of campgrounds and stuff like that. Um, we have canoes. If it gets too cold, that'll keep your butt dry while you're out on the water. <laughs> Kayaks don't so much. <laughs> but yeah, that's 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 the biz. If anyone is in in the area of Lake Harwell and they want a kayak, I, I can bring you a kayak. I'll bring you a book too. But so far, those Band audiences converge. have not overlapped, and I don't even think it's <laughs> I, I don't even think it's close. <laughs> Maybe it is.
0: You never yeah. know. I mean, you know, it could be like. Yeah, you read fantasy. You never know. You want to kayak in a in a fantasy book. Here you go.
1: Yeah, or if it, if you're just camping, if I'm camping, I mean, you don't have a TV typically, or whatever else you might do if you're not camping. So, sit in a nice, comfy zero gravity chair, and you have a book. You know, a little campfire going. Hmm. It's pretty nice.
0: Very nice. That's yeah, uh. Do do you uh, have you kayaked for a long time or outdoors? You, what is it about being outdoors that appeals to you?
1: Uh, oh gosh that, that's as old as my is my infatuation with maps i guess because when i first started making maps it was of the woods around my house and that was wow. before i turned eight years old uh, um i would just explore i'd go off in the woods then uh when i was when i was eight we moved to a different neighborhood and that had a whole nother section of woods i would explore those um and then eventually i had kids uh which or or one kid my oldest donovan he's 23 now but when he was like four or five or six i take him and my little brother who was one year older they were into exploring the woods too and uh i don't i think the statute delivering limitations protects me on this i I would just go to places that looked cool like if, if i've been driving back and forth between here and a place and every now and then i look over and there's these cool woods One day, I'm going to park the car right there, and we're going to take off through these woods. And we would, um, with no concern for whether or not it was hunting season or anything like that, or whose property it was, we would just take off through some woods, not destroying or anything like that, just exploring uh, new areas. Uh, So I've always liked being outside. I've always liked kind of outside right now. I I notice on my video that it's it's getting (laughs) 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 progressive. Sorry about that. At least I'm sort of visible. Yeah, it's a like, void behind you. I'm just waiting for
0: someone to pop out behind you in like a horror movie like, yeah.
1: That would horrify all three of us. Yeah, I
0: mean. yeah, well, yeah, for sure.
1: It'd be a kid. They'd be they'd be, they'd be this tall, um, I always liked being outside and that, and that definitely flavored my first book. The first book was was um, dude, I forgot what it's called. Can we do probably, you know, we just, this dude that go off in unknown woods and have a little adventure hmm. and crazy things happen.
0: There's a large, large
1: insect. <laughs> Anyways, I'm not going to we'll talk about visual things. This is an audio you podcast. <laughs>
0: yeah. <it's literally> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: sorry audio fans only it was a large flying string I think
0: yeah know. I have uh, I have big dogs so there's always like there's occasionally like a big hair that like floats by like like I, yeah just like okay, <laughs> gotta ignore whatever. it yeah just floating by but I, I do think I I, I noticed that people who spend a lot of time outdoors have a different outlook and kind of uh, I don't know have seem a little bit more at peace
1: I find a lot hmm. of peace being outside and um and, and I feel like 2020 when everybody was you know everybody went home for work and there was a lot of stay home, stay home. I really I, that might have been the first time in my life. I appreciated that I'm out here in a small town on the edge of town and I have a yard and it's there's some trees in the back, there's some grass over here up front. I have like three fire pits in my I'm a little bit of a pyro. <laughs> But I could just, at any point, I could walk outside and set something on fire. Or if we got sick of each other in the house, why if you can go out back and try to pull down kudzu with your bare hands out of the trees, just like rip kudzu up. And I'm thinking about people who live in apartment complexes or especially multi-floor comp things like that. They can't set foot out, you know, can't walk outside. It made me really appreciate it um, and feel for it. Because, you know, you, you heard a lot about mental anguish on the rise during that time and i get it if i couldn't if i couldn't didn't have the ability to walk outside and just gulp in fresh air and the sun beamed down on my face i would have been in a way darker place i'm sure
0: yeah it's uh i, I think it's still i think for some people it's still lingering the you know that those weird that weird feeling of mm-hmm. being inside and not being able to being able to leave what a weird time it was yeah yeah a really. strange time the, uh, the time always flies by <laughs> I didn't realize how long it's been
1: <laughs> I, I, keep, I look at it now and then I'm like oh 90 minutes yeah. <laughs> beat Tchaikovsky yes of course he's busier than I am he's probably writing right now
0: <laughs> but it was an absolute pleasure David I'd love to do it again sometime
1: it was I'm all the way down for well, whenever,
0: I think for Jared sure. would agree that you can't tell us shit like that because then we'd be bothering you all the time
1: <laughs> <laughs> you'll hit me up bro I'm in I'm telling you, I'm in. There's, there's more things to talk about. I have hopefully.
0: a ton more questions for you. And, and we, we do these all, all the time. So you're welcome anytime.
1: Cool. Yeah, well, I appreciate yeah, you guys. Nice yeah. It's good to meet you, both yeah. of y'all.
0: Uh, in the meantime, where can people find you and your books?
1: Uh, on most social media. Well, okay. Facebook, Twitter, slash X, or Instagram. I am at David T List. Uh, if you go to davidtlist.com, that goes to my blog. Um, any of those places points pretty blatantly toward my my book that is out, that came out August fourth, Violence and Vigilance. Um, and right now, it's only available on Amazon. I'd like to expand beyond that, but you know, choices were made, things things were decided. Um, but yeah, David T. List, I, I like to be kind of kind of easy to find. The only other David lists that I know of, there's one in the credits of South Park, or hmm. used to be. Every time I saw it, I'd be like David List, and apparently there's a missionary in Africa named David List, which people used to ask me if I'm related to. I'm not, not to my knowledge. <laughs> Gosh, I even ramble when you ask me a simple question like that. I'm just no, a it's, rambling it's great because
0: whenever we have uh, whenever we have guests, and and at the end they say, well, I I, I ramble. Some it's like no, we want you to ramble, like we want you to talk. So that's good stuff. But- <laughs> good. No, because if you said me. if it was like really short answers it'd be really un, really boring to listen to so we want people to learn about it yeah that
1: would be a dull one so, yeah rambling is good we like yeah. rambling
0: <laughs> and uh jared where can people find you
2: uh you can find me at the fantasy thinker on youtube and uh i always uh am around a page chewing form and uh that's pretty much it i I, uh, I'm not a rambler unfortunately <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: uh
2: yeah so uh that's where i am and uh yeah this is a pleasure david very nice, very nice to meet you.
0: For me too. Yeah, of course. For me, and uh, just anyone listening, if you'd like to join one of our Friday conversations, we have some forums—a really small, tightly knit community of really great people. So go by and join the forums. Uh, I do have to approve all the new members, so if you do register, I'll get to the—I'll get to you eventually. I just have to keep all the the bots and riff raff out, but I'll get to you uh, at some point. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, you, know, you could charge them eight dollars a month. That would that would apparently that gets rid of all bots. Specifically, eight, not seven. It's got to be eight dollars a month. Yeah, I'll <laughs> give I'll, them, give, a I'll give them a
0: blue check and I'll. Uh, what else is going on there now? There's some weird shit going on there now. It's.
1: I think they can promote. They can also protect it where other people can't see their shit. They yeah, and there's like God, I'm trying to keep
0: up. So with now, it. if depressing. you um, if you post a link, it doesn't post the link it like posts a picture of the link it doesn't post a headline and i guess it's in an effort to get people to post directly to x or twitter it's i don't know mm, yeah
1: right 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 no compete
0: uh, Walls. yeah so it's, it's a mess yeah. but no anyway. i'm
1: it feels a lot like free, it feels just like of ones feels, feels of freedom. like freedom yeah, it's one of the ones i'm glad <laughs> or <laughs> something <to enjoy.
2: laughs>
0: yeah I'm so You're glad. Yeah, anything. it's yeah, it's bad stuff. But no, that all that stuff sounds like a lot of work, and I'm way too lazy for any of that shit. So that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I have books to read. I don't know to talk to that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. But awesome. Yeah, thank you again, uh, David and Jared. Of course, it's always a pleasure, and we'll uh, talk to everyone very soon. Hope everyone has a great weekend.